Let us turn in our Bibles once more to Joshua chapter 2. Joshua chapter 2. This chapter will be the text for this evening's sermon entitled Rahab's Faith. Rahab's Faith as we look at this chapter of God's holy and infallible word. In many Christian churches today, there is a great focus upon testimonies. Testimonies, people coming forward and telling of how Jesus Christ changed them to hear of what God has done in their hearts and in their lives. You could say that there's a, a huge focus on testimonies, especially where I currently live in Northern Ireland. And to a certain extent, you can really understand why we live in a day where there is much discouragement. It's a difficult time, and as believers in Jesus Christ, we want to be encouraged. We want to hear about people saved from the darkness of sin and bondage. And we wish to hear about how the Spirit of Almighty God is at work today. But, and testimonies have been used to bring me to the Lord, but you may have noticed sometimes there may be the temptation in some of these testimonies to go into what we might call the juicy details and Sometimes there might be a bit of boasting in the sin that took place in a person's past. Testimonies have their place. Paul gave his testimony at various points, but we need to be careful. We need to be careful. We're not looking for the sensational. We're not looking for the, the headline grabbing. We want what honors God. A testimony at the end of the day is not about the person. It's about the God that saved that person from sin and from hell and all that would come justly. The testimony is all about God. So as we think about this and we think about testimonies, and we're going to look at Rahab. This lady... This woman spoken about in, in Joshua chapter 2. And it's really a story not even about Rahab. It's really a story about God. The God who saved her. The God who changed her. See, there's really nothing special in any of us of ourselves. The difference is God. God showed mercy to Rahab. So we look at Rahab, who's not yet part of the outward expression of the people of God. A Canaanite, a pagan, of a sinful background, as we're going to see in a moment. Part of a land that is doomed to destruction. And from all we can see, if we looked from the outside looking in, you would see, have no expectation of true religion flourishing there. But friends, I hope we see all of us, this is all of us, 
outside of Jesus Christ. We are all part of old Canaan, doomed to destruction. We are all sinners just as much as Rahab was. No matter our background, we also need the same faith that Rahab had. So this evening, which Canaan are you part of? There's two Canaans in our text. There's the old Canaan, doomed to destruction. And then there's the, there's the old Canaan, doomed to destruction. And then there's the new Canaan, where righteousness dwells. It points towards a greater heavenly Canaan, our heavenly Canaan above. So our first point as we look at this chapter of God's holy and infallible word is, number one, fallen. Number one, fallen. Who was Rahab? Verse one gives us some of our background. Verse one of our text, and Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into an harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. And harlot's house and lodged there. You may notice this, but the Bible often has a very short way and a very discreet way of describing the necessary details that we need to grow in holiness. Very shortly, very simply, she was a sinner. There was no escaping this. She was a sinner. She made money through sin. She made money through something that much of the world, even outside of the church, even apart from the Bible, would say that is sin and a shameful way to make money. Even among the Gentiles of that day, they would have made light of the sin of fornication. That sin of taking something that is really only suitable in one context. And that is this, the marriage bed. Something special and wonderful and loving and taking it outside of that place. I remember I heard a preacher one time describing it like this. That relationship within the marriage bed is a wonderful thing. It is not a shameful thing. But just like fire, when it's taken outside of the fireplace, it burns the whole house down. Fornication. Sex outside of marriage is so, so dangerous. And so even much of the world could explain this to you. Outside of marriage but it was seen as something trivial among the Gentile world. But don't we see that here today in Scotland, England, Ireland, Wales, a low view of sin and a low view indeed of marriage. But even in our day, such a way of making money as Rahab lived in, it would still be frowned upon, wouldn't it? In polite society, there is no way that people would go, ah, you see Rahab, she 
is definitely a religious lady. She is definitely godly by just viewing this one aspect of her life. It's very interesting how the Bible points it out. The world sees the damage of breaking the seventh commandment because we see broken homes, marriages, and many people understand much of the danger. Rahab could not claim really to be self-righteous. She couldn't come really in a really meaningful way and say, look how righteous I am. She would be seen as a sinner in any age. But friends, we have to see that that's all of us. It's very easy to see it with the Rahabs of the world. It's very easy to see even Jesus would say the tax collectors or the publicans and the harlots will go into the kingdom before you. He said this to the Pharisees. Why? Because these were people seen at the very bottom of morally and otherwise. Friends, we are all sinners, every single one of us. We are all sinners in the same way that Rahab was, breakers of the law of God, deserving the doom that is described in this book of Joshua. Joshua, in a lot of ways, is really describing the doom of the old Canaan, this world that we live in, will one day be destroyed. It is a sinful world. It is a fallen world. And we see in this book, the people of God, when they walk by faith, they tread underfoot the enemy. And the forces of evil stood no chance. But there's a wonderful story in the midst of it. Rahab is delivered by grace, not by our works, but by grace. See, friends, we have to see that we too are sinners. For in Adam all die, but in Christ all shall be made alive. The gospel leaves no room for self-righteousness. The gospel leaves no room for saying, aha, but I go to church. I give my money to the poor. I Nothing in your hands can you bring. Nothing. The only thing that we can bring is the sin that made the death of Christ necessary. You may be here this evening and think, I'm not like Rahab. But we are. You and I are. But do you have the faith that she had? All have sinned. It says in Psalm number 14. Psalm number 14. says this to the chief musician, a psalm of David. The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. Now, by the time of the first century, when the Jews would read such things, they would think, ah, that's really speaking about the Gentiles. But that is speaking about us all by nature. 
verse 3 of Psalm 14. They're all gone aside. They're all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. So by nature, this is us. By nature, we are lawbreakers. By nature, we are in need of the same grace and redemption and forgiveness that Rahab needed. So number one, we've looked at fallen. Fallen. Number two now, favor. Favor. Wonderfully, Rahab does not stay where she is. She doesn't stay in that squalor of that sin. And it's clearly that. The Bible doesn't make any attempt to clean it up. It points it out, what she was and what she was involved with. But she has changed, and we see this throughout this chapter. She has really turned her back on the kingdom of darkness. She has turned her back on the world, the flesh, and the devil. What did the king of Jericho command? You can see this in verse number two and verse number three of our text. And it was told the king of Jericho saying, behold, there came men in hither tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country. So the king of Jericho knows that these two spies from the people of God have come and lodged where Rahab was. And then verse three, it says this, and the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab saying, bring forth the men that are come to thee, which are entered into thine house, for they become to search out all the country. The spies, these part of the children of God, they come to see. What do they come to see? The challenges that they face, the enemies that are there, the challenges that are there. And there's a place for that. We don't focus entirely upon the challenges that we face, but we should know some of the enemy's tactics. The Bible shows us such things. So they go to see what challenges are ahead of them. But the people of the land are afraid, aren't they? The king of Jericho wants to seek them out. The people of God clearly did not have the favor of the king of Jericho. They did not have the favor of these people who sought them out. They did not have the support or the liking of this world. The world is not friendly or toward believers, is it? It pursues after the people of God. But wonderfully, we see a change in Rahab, before, at some point, we don't know when, she would have favored the kingdom of darkness. She would have favored this command by the king and, done, and sought out, along with everyone else, to pursue the people of God. In verse 4, it says this, And the woman took the two men and hid them, and said, Thus there came two men unto me, but I wist not whence they were when it came to pass about the time of shutting of the gate, when it was dark, that the men went out, whither the men went, I wot not, or I do not know. Pursue after them quickly, for ye shall over 
take them. Now, as imperfect as her faith may have been, what's she doing? Ultimately, she's seeking to protect God's people. There are those who wish to seek them harm, and she's seeking to protect them. She favors the people of God. She cared for them. We have to realize, too, as imperfect as her faith may or may not have been, she put herself at great risk. The king knew that it was into her, her place that they went. But what changed in her heart? She now has a love for God. And because she has a love for God, she also now has a love for the people of God. We'll turn to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John and chapter 3. And verse number 16. 1 John chapter 3, verse 16 down to 18. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But... Whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And if you go through that letter that John writes, that epistle of First John, you'll see there's a change in attitude from the believer and the unbeliever. The, the unbeliever does not love the people of God. It doesn't, he doesn't love the church. But Rahab's love has gone from the world to the church. It doesn't mean we don't have a love for lost neighbors. We're to love our enemies, but they still remain our enemies. But we're to love them Nonetheless, but there's a change in care. There's a change in favor. There's a change in support. There's a change in our priorities. And Rahab's priorities, some point in the past, have changed. She may have begun at a certain low point. But when called upon, she has hid the people of God. She has rescued them. She has brought them out as needed. Now, we also need to point out as well, our faith is not perfect. And I pray that this will be an encouragement to us because she lied. I want not, she said, and it's clearly not true. Now, the Bible speaks very positively about Rahab, rightly so. She was a woman of faith. She's remembered in Hebrews chapter 11. She's remembered in James chapter 2. She is a godly woman. She made difficult decisions, and who knows what we have done in such a similar position. But let us remember this in our walk, as imperfect as our faith may be at times, it's about, as one man put it, the direction and not the perfection. We're not going to get everything right. It doesn't mean we don't ask for the Lord's forgiveness when we do sin. We ought to. But are you growing in holiness? Are you going in that direction? Because we'll never 
ever attain that perfection in this life. But it speaks, even though with all this, she still showed her favor toward the people of God. James chapter 2. James chapter 2 and verse 25. James chapter 2 and verse number 25. James chapter 2 speaks largely about the expression of outward works that show whether someone has faith. This is speaking about outwardly now. In James chapter 2, verse 25, Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. The Bible speaks very positively about her because she had faith and she walked by faith. And this showed evidence that she had saving faith. You see, friends, it's, it's not the perfection of our faith that saves us. None of us have perfect faith. It's that faith is there. And if faith is there, there will be signs of life. There will be signs of life. See, we have to not have faith in our faith. Faith looks to Jesus Christ and to him alone. Even if our faith is the size of a mustard seed, filled with many doubts and all sorts of other things, is it there? Is it there? Because we may wonder, oh, I have sinned. Am I truly a Christian at all? You may ask yourself at times. None of us have perfect faith. None of us repent perfectly. We can't have confidence, supreme confidence in our faith. We have supreme confidence in Jesus Christ. His work is perfect. Ours is not. But if we have faith of the size of a grain of a mustard seed, we are truly Saved. We're saved because of Christ. We're not saved because of anything that we do. But we see here with Rahab, signs of life, signs of activity that she has a love for the people of God. At the other side, you can see fruit of another kind with those who are in unbelief. Joshua chapter 2 and verse 7. And the men pursued after them the way to Jordan, unto the fords. And as soon as they which pursued after them were gone out, they shut the gate. There's this endless pursuit. Even though they know by this point, as we'll see later, they have no chance of success. They have heard of the destruction of Pharaoh and his army. They have heard of the defeat of Sion and Og. They have heard of these things. They know that their defeat is sure, but they keep going. There's a certain fruit of unbelief. And then there's the fruit of Rahab, which shows a love and a care for the people of God. Friends, do you love the church? Do you love her? When you are away from her, you miss her. Do you love being with her? with imperfect sinners. It, this is the, the real challenge because we can also, we love a God we don't see with our physical eyes. But the challenge is, do we love people 
flesh and blood, people who will at times hurt us and do wrong against us, and yet we forbear and forgive them. That's the challenge. And that's the great fruit of saving faith. Yes, a love for God, but then also a love for his bride, the church. Number three now, fear. Fear. We've looked at how Rahab has fallen, like, like all of us in Adam. Number two, favor. She's favor toward the bride. And number three, fear. News spreads about what God has done. Of course it does. If you see Pharaoh, this mighty army, following beside him, chasing this weak group to the opposite side of the Red Sea, and what happens? The world hears that God has defeated them on behalf of his people. So news spreads and fear spreads as well. The enemies of God have, have a greater sense that they have no chance against this God. And if God is on their side, they stand no chance against this great God of Israel. Verse number 10 and 11, for we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you. And when ye came out of Egypt, and what ye did unto the kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, Sion and Og, whom ye utterly destroyed. This is Rahab speaking. And then verse 11, And as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man. Because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. This is a fear that causes the courage that they once had to run away and to flee. Their courage melted. They became, you could say, cowards. And at times, unbelievers in the world, who have a sense of the dread, they have a sense of hell, they have a sense of the consequences of sin, but yet not belief in Jesus Christ yet. They can torment. There are people, and that may be speaking of you here this evening, the thoughts of hell may torment you. It may even wake you up in the middle of the night, but that alone does not mean you're a Christian. It doesn't alone. It doesn't mean you're a Christian. Have you looked to Jesus Christ and to him alone? You may be like this group. Their, their, their courage has melted away. But did they look like Rahab unto Rahab's Savior? It's different. Rahab is different. Rahab trembles, and she doesn't just tremble in fear and do what the rest of them do, which is pursue after the people of God and seek to win a battle they can't possibly win. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 31. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 31. 
by faith. The harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not. When she had received the spies with peace. And this is Hebrews chapter 11. It's a wonderful chapter. It's almost like these an array of wonderful examples of faith throughout the centuries. And it still puts in there, by faith, the harlot Rahab, she was a sinner. Why did she not perish? Why did the rest of the land perish? Was she better in any way, in and of her own self, than these other people who perished? Not at all. But she believed, and they did not. That was the difference. You see a fear that torments, of the torments of hell. But if our hearts are not tamed to love God and to to end our fight against God, then we do not have saving faith. John Calvin put it this way, while the courage of all had thus melted away, they however prepared to resist with the obstinacy of despair. There are those people in the world, I pray I'm not speaking of any of you here, they are tormented by the ideas of the notion, you could say, of the consequences of sin, but yet without a love for God. And they fight against it with all that every ounce of strength that they have, knowing deep down it will lead to destruction and doom. Their courage fades away, but they still fight on. The rebellion of the defeated sinner, on the face of it, makes little sense, does it? They stand no chance. If crushed Pharaoh and the armies of Egypt stood no chance, why would they? Why would you? If you continue on in unbelief, you think that you stand a greater chance than Pharaoh and all those others who stood against God. See, a fear of hell by itself is not enough. We need to look to Jesus Christ and to him alone. We need to look to him and see the author and finisher of our faith. We need to look to Jesus, Jehovah, the Lord spoken about. Rahab speaks about our Lord, speaks about him here at the end of verse 11, for the Lord, and here it's capital L-O-R-D, Jehovah, your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. He is the true God. He is the only God. That's what she is saying. She recognizes the power. She recognizes the glory. And she recognizes where she needs to be delivered. She looks to him for deliverance. She looks to him for forgiveness. She sees him as Lord. She knows that he will give his people the land. Verse 9, 
she says this, and she said unto, unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land. The Lord has given us our future king. The Lord will bring us home one day. The Lord will bring us through that Jordan River as we pass from this world into the next by faith in Jesus Christ. And we too will have peace in that land. Now, having spoken about fear, we do need godly fear. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. There is a godly believing fear where we tremble before God that if we lack it at all, we do not have wisdom. It is in this midst with this these news, these reports are spreading around. The rest of them, their hearts have melted. But Rahab is different. She has a godly fear. She fears God more than the king of Jericho. She fears God more. She has a fear of the Lord. And so this drives her, this godly fear. Verse 15. Then she let them down by a cord through the window. This is the two spies for her house was upon the town wall and she dwelt upon the wall. And she also makes this covenant with these spies. She will hang a scarlet thread outside of our window. She's looking to the Lord for deliverance. She sees what will happen to the land and she's looking for mercy. She's looking for deliverance, she has godly fear. Do you fear the Lord? As she did. Our final point here is number four, future. Future. So number one, fallen. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Favor. Our saving faith is seen with our favor toward the church, the people of God. Three, fear. There's two types of fear being shown to us here. And number four, future. Without God, Rahab's future is destruction. Without God, her and her family would meet doom. It says in verse number 18 of our text, Behold, when we come into the land, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window which thou didst let us down by, and thou shalt bring thy father and thy mother and thy brethren and all thy father's household home unto thee. This is the thread where they escape by. This is the thread of deliverance found in verse number 15. And it is by the Lord that that family were delivered. We see this later in Joshua chapter 6. But her future had changed. Her family faced destruction with all the other people of the land. Her family were part of old Canaan. Now no longer delivered, free. Life awaited them, and they became part of the people 
of God. They became part of the delivered people. Verse number 24, and they said unto Joshua, truly the Lord hath delivered into our hands all the land, for even all the inhabitants of the country do faint because of us. Deliverance is given to the people of God by the power of God and for the glory of God. The future is wonderful for the people of God because of the mercy and the grace found in Jesus Christ. You see, death is all around us, isn't it? You go down the road a little bit, you see a graveyard. We are surrounded by death. We live in a world that is surrounded by death. We will all one day die and stand before our maker one day. We will either stand before him with our own works, or we will stand before him clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And with that righteousness of Jesus Christ, we will be delivered from that doom, from that wrath, from that defeat that sin brings. The Lord hath delivered into our hands all the land. Where is your future? When you think of your future, do you think of this world? Have you so clung to this world you can't bear the thoughts of letting go of it? That you cling to it with every fiber of your being and the thoughts of leaving it behind leave you with dread. I know we will miss our family and other things like that. But to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. The people of God here faced a blessed future, a blessed Canaan. But the people who are currently in the land, who lived for this world, faced a doomed reality. And we are either part of the old Canaan or the new. We are either part of this world or the world to come. Friends, you may sincerely, truly be a believer in Jesus Christ, but still take your eyes off where our future lies. You may forget all that we're here for. This life is but a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanishes away. And the longer we're on this earth, the more we realize that. Are you living for this victory? Or are you pursuing like the people of old Canaan, like the king of Jericho, pursuing after a victory that cannot be attained? Are you seeking this world? Let go of it. Let go of it, whether it is your business, your home, your hobbies, whatever it may be, whatever idolatry that may be in your life, let go. Seek God, seek enjoyment with God because that is your future. That is your deliverance. It is with God. And Rahab found that. Rahab found that deliverance. It is why she trusted as she trusted. It's why she sought for that scarlet thread and not the king of Jericho. 
Do you see the difference? When trouble comes, and trouble was coming to the land in that day, where do you trust? Where do you run? Because when trouble comes, do we come to the weapons of the new Canaan? The weapons of prayer. The weapon of the word of God. The rest of Canaan to come. Or do we look to the old Canaan? Friend, there's laid out in this book a warning for us all. That if we follow the way of sin, we're doomed to partake of its destruction. But if we look to Jesus Christ, if we have confidence in his deliverance, we will be delivered as Rahab was delivered. Rahab was not a perfect woman. Neither are you. But do you have faith? She had faith. She had confidence in our Savior. And she was delivered. And she's still written about thousands of years later in the book of Hebrews. In the book of James. Look to her Savior. And to him alone. Amen. Let us pray before Almighty God. Glorious and heavenly King, Father in heaven, we thank Thee for our future Canaan, our heavenly Canaan. We thank Thee that though we are sinners, that Thou art merciful, Thou art kind, Thou art true, Thou wilt bring us home. Thou hast seen fit to give us tokens to remind us of thy love, reminders of thy grace in the word of the living God. Thou hast delivered Rahab and her family. Thou wilt deliver thy people here in this building. Father, may we look to Canaan to come. Freed from sin, where righteousness dwells. May we not look to the old Canaan that is doomed to destruction. May we be, along with Rahab, delivered by faith and by faith alone. O Lord, be with us. Pardon our many sins. May thy face shine upon us. In Jesus' name, amen.